0: Welcome to Markitecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology executives. I'm Ari Paparo. I am joined today by David Dworin, the CPO, Chief Product Officer of Freewheel, the division of Comcast. David, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Ari. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to to, uh, find out what Freewheel actually does, having worked there for a year or so. I was about to say, I'm, I'm glad to finally enlighten you. I wish I could have done
1: that while you were at freewill.
0: No, I'm joking, but I will say that as a uh, ordinary citizen, I get asked about freewill all the time. And the questions are quite uninformed. People really just don't know what it does. So I'm really hoping we could get to the bottom of the core products in this conversation. Good. I, I guess that's great for our marketing team that everyone's asking. Now we can fill in the hole
1: of the answers
0: for. So to start with Freewheel is sort of a bit of a conglomerate it's within Comcast and it's a bit of a conglomerate. So it has multiple product lines. Why don't you just run us through quickly, kind of all the product lines and what they do, and then we'll spend the bulk of the conversation on the core video ad server.
1: Yep. So we think of those, you're calling them product lines. We think of them as platforms now. And so across Freewheel, we have a couple of different platforms. We have our core video monetization solution, rights management solution, used to be called MRM. We call it our TV platform now, which is a combined ad server, supply-side platform, sort of holistic decisioning engine for people who run premium video businesses. <laughs> right. We have uh, our Beeswax platform, which I'm hoping you're familiar with that one and you can explain that one to people. So that is our demand-side platform that has a, a bunch of really, I think, unique features in it that help make it a competitive market and make it Wed really well with our supply side technology to provide a holistic solution to the market. We also have Strata, which is agency management platform and campaign stewardship system that is also used a little bit on the sell side. It actually manages tens of billions of dollars in local TV transactions every year that are transacted through our marketplace in there. And then we have our audience express business which is a media business primarily selling audience-based linear TV inventory, but also selling audience-based connected TV and streaming inventory as well. as a managed service on behalf of our clients there. So altogether, a holistic set of solutions for different parts of buying and selling premium video around the globe. Underlying our beeswax and our TV platform, or MRM, we also have a really powerful suite of Audience and identity and
0: measurement solutions that tie those worlds together. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And I think just laying that out, you've already gotten people a lot more information than they're commonly used to. So we're going to spend the remainder of our conversation on the TV platform. So a lot of questions I get are sort of why Freewheel? What is it about this platform that's different from? you know, GAM or some other ad server, because ad serving is sort of a mature category. And you mentioned rights management as part of it. Why don't you kind of start by explaining the basics of why does this product exist and how is it differentiated? Yeah,
1: so I think at a core, if you think about ad serving as a mature category, most of the category has really been defined by people who are doing ad serving in the display space, right? It's sort of started with this legacy of banner ads, and we added in other types of advertising in a two-dimensional static and time medium. So I'm going to put, maybe I'll put video or rich media or overlays or native ads, but it's really based on the idea of being in a browser or an app environment where time is sort of not the important dimension. And the key insight in Freewheel is actually long-form video and, and what we now call streaming or OTB is really different. And the thing that I'm trying to do is not assemble ads on a page, it's assemble ads in a linear stream of time. And so while ad serving is sort of this mature industry in the sense of, can I host a creative and deploy it to a web page, There's a ton of complexity that goes into doing it for streaming and for long-term video. And that's really what Freewheel is built from the ground up to Solve. And over the years, that complexity has grown, right? Like we've added in, you know, it started primarily direct sold. We've added in programmatic. It started out with this idea that I might own a clip or a video, and it might get served on somebody else's website. So, you know, maybe I have a clip, but it gets on it's on AOL.com, like somebody's homepage 10 years ago. Well, now there's all of these different distribution agreements that are being managed between, you know, you've got traditional sort of linear TV bundles. We've got to manage distribution through that. You've got device manufacturers. We've got to manage distribution through that. You've got different arrangements that you might agree to where you have partners selling your inventory for you in certain markets. So there's this whole level of complexity that goes into managing video on these two sort of dimensions. One of them is how do I manage all of my content and the rights associated to it and all of these people that can play my inventory and how do I manage it so that I deliver the best buyer experience, the best ad experience and the best yield for my publisher in the optimal way And by the way, you know, in sort of display, you're doing this against, you know, a handful of browsers and a handful of sort of mobile operating systems. But in video, you might have dozens or hundreds of app endpoints that all work a little bit differently that you need to manage against. And so what we really do is simplify all of those, the complexity for people who are running those businesses.
0: Right. So so you brought up sort of, if I could paraphrase, three ways in which free will is significantly different from normal ad serving the time-based part the distribution part and uh, earlier you had brought up rights management so let's start with the distribution because that's what you were just speaking about what does that mean that it's different in all the places are we talking about ad formats and delivery or the economics or or the, the targeting or something else I mean,
1: yes, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So if you think about, and, and I'm going to use distribution really broadly, right? Like if you have your own website, you're sort of a publisher, you put it on there, always really distributing your content. But the second it appears on a smart TV or through a connected device or through a mobile app, you're going through somebody's store and the storefront might have agreements you need to solve for. If you are a traditional pay TV publisher, right? You're distributing through a pay TV bundle, like you know, we'll call like an MVPD or an MSO or something. So a cable company, a satellite company, a virtual MVPD, you know, they're carrying your channels, they're carrying your video on demand content through the package that they have a relationship with a consumer on. And oftentimes there is some kind of agreement where you're gonna share inventory with them. In the case of like traditional sort of pay TV companies, they will often negotiate the ability to sell some of that inventory locally you know, sort of historically been a thing that has existed there. Traditional broadcast, they had local affiliates that were selling it. And so it's something that's sort of been inherited from the TV world. But now you also have partners that are saying, listen, instead of paying for distribution, or instead of paying for text sometimes even, we're just going to manage that through through carving out a portion of the inventory. And managing
0: all of those relationships can get really complicated. So I'm a broadcaster with a NBC, and my ads are showing on a distribution point. I'm not sure who would be in that case. But like,
1: uh, you can take a really complicated use case, right? And you can say, your NBC, your ads are showing on some virtual MVPD, okay. and they're showing up on, you know, a streaming TV device like a Roku or something, okay. right? Like everyone in that hop is connecting somehow into your ad
0: inventory. And in that world, do all the partners need, need to use Freewheel? And if they do use free will, is it better in some way? Is there a network effect? Yeah,
1: so that's, the, that's really, you know, we want to create an ecosystem where we're open and interoperable with different partners. Um, and so many of the partners in that chain are not using free will, but we want it to be better when everybody's using our tech. There are things that we can do, whether it's reducing latency, whether it's improving visibility, whether it's managing data rights, which I think are really important within this. Those are all things we can do when it's all within our platform, but it doesn't have to
0: exclusively happen within our platform. Right, because there's some pretty challenging problems in this environment of a shared uh, sales ability, like competitive exclusions. You can't have Coke and Pepsi in the same pod of ads. Yeah. uh, I mean, that's probably the one that everybody
1: talks about. There's competitive exclusion Mm -hmm. to make sure we're not all selling to the same person. You want to avoid sales channel conflict. You don't want to show... Coke and Pepsi next to each other. You also want to show two Cokes, mm-hmm. which can happen. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that if you're deciding who gets to show the Coke, you pit the right person who gets to have the Coke ad. If that's sort of the higher value add and make sure it all works together downstream, you don't want one of those collisions to cause the pod to have slate or blank or missing an ad opportunity. Right. That's sort of a simple one, but you also have this nature of, you know, if you think about those distribution partners, they have the relationship with the consumer. So they may have data that improves ad targeting, or they may have a sales team that's in market differently. What are the ways that they can or can't share that data to the publisher partners or to their advertisers? And in the same way, you as a publisher may have data about the content Mm -hmm. that one of those downstream partners doesn't have. And that's sort of your unique selling proposition. One of the things that we can do when it's on the platform is separate out how people can share that data in a protected fashion. For ad decisioning, let's say, if you decided to allow people to use it for that, or for reporting, but not ad decisioning, and we can do that on a fairly granular level, that once you start passing that data between systems, you lose control over it. And so we can make sure that, you know, it's happening in a controlled
0: environment, which makes people comfortable to transact. Right. The reality is, though, that your customers do distribute through many platforms you don't control. In the past six months, you've signed a number of interoperability agreements that I'd love to talk about briefly. There was Roku, Magnite, Yahoo, maybe that's the bulk of them. And I know previously the agreement had been signed with Publica, who is owned by IAS. So what are what's the nature of these agreements and how do they help your customers? So... If you think about our primary customers, we're sort of that first hop
1: in the ad serving chain. We're connected into either their stream stitcher or all these different app environments through our SDKs very often. That's sort of the primary use case. And what we want to make sure that we're doing is a couple of things. One of them is we want to make sure that they're interoperable with all of those different partners that they're working with. So, you know, they may have dozens of different distribution partners. We want to improve on what those integrations look like and how they work to make sure that our system is working as as well as it can for all of these different partners that they're working with. So that's sort of like connections into, you know, the ecosystem that people are working in. Like Roku would be an example of that, where our customers have agreements with Roku. They want to be satisfying those agreements. Let's make that integration work best as it can. We put in sort of best-in-class troubleshooting tools that says when the integration is not working, you know why the ability to manage some of those creative conflicts and do creative approval and have all those things and visibility so that the the technology helps the agreements to just work. The second part of it is we wanna make sure that we're helping our customers make as much money as possible. And so we wanna bring demand into that ad decision where we can um, and augment it with as much demand so that we can run a single unified decision against all of their supply and all of the available demand that delivers something that's yield optimal to the publisher, delivering the best viewer experience and giving advertisers in the right place access to that inventory. So all of those partnerships are along those two different
0: directions. Yeah, I think it's worth clarifying because a listener might be confused that in the case of, let's say, Roku, they could be a source of demand as well as a distribution partner because the contracts between the broadcasters and the distribution might involve co-sale rights of different kinds.
1: Yep, co-sales rights. You know, inventory shares also, you know, they are, they will acquire inventory or they will have sort of revenue shares against inventory right. to support their business. So, yeah. And, and that's probably one of the most interesting things happening in the market, right, mm-hmm. is nobody's really just playing one role. And so our platform is really flexible, right? We have people on it that are reselling other people's inventory, that are selling their own inventory, mm-hmm. that are distributing inventory, that are just, you know, having their inventory distributed, Because I don't know if anyone's wearing just
0: one hand. Right, yeah. So if you picture it, you might have a NBC app on a Roku device, and that app makes a call to Freewheel to get ads, but then it also makes a call to Roku to get ads, and they both may be running auctions, and you have to fill a pod, and you want to avoid competitive conflicts and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So when it's
1: actually, what what's happening is that app might be appearing on a Roku. It's making the call really to Freewheel to run the single decision. And Freewheel will make calls to all of these other partners right. and do that final pod assembly to make sure we can resolve all of those conflicts. Exactly right. Yeah. That,
0: that's the benefit of these relationships. Yep. All right. Let's talk about the problem of pods, I guess, and linear television and filling in time. What are those specific challenges in an ad server for doing that? And how much control does will give its customers around that? Yeah. So the sort of simplified version of it is easy, right?
1: I have, you know, a certain amount of time or a certain number of ads, how do I place the ads in it? But as you sort of unpack the layers of the problem, it gets a lot more complicated. So one of the first layers of complication is, let's say I run a one or a two minute pod, is that four 30 second spots in one minute? Is it, you know, eight, 15 second spots in two minutes? Like, what is the way to convert Time into number of ads and number of ad opportunities. That's like one layer of competition. Now, once I've done that conversion, I want to make it yield optimal. But actually, in a 60 second sort of spot, the yield optimal decision might be just to run 10, six second ads. That's terrible for the viewer experience. So now I have this like second dimension of optimization that I want to run against it. The beginning and the end of that pod are sometimes more valuable, right? So people might sell a sponsorship that says this has to run at the beginning, or you might have to run a bumper against certain types of content that says this has to run in a certain spot. So now I have certain things that are sort of carved off in specialized areas, need to manage that level of complexity in there. I'm gonna throw in like a couple of other layers. we push this into a programmatic ecosystem Mm. that was designed for display. So now I need to equivalize the technology and programmatic into these pods. By the way, that pod is actually part of a broader stream That might be in like a live viewing environment, or it might be a 90 minute movie, or it might be a 30 minute show. There's different constraints that I'm going to have, depending on what you're watching. If it's kids content, it's going to look different than if it's a movie. What I want to assemble is actually like a yield optimal stream, not just a yield optimal pod for that publisher. And then um, in different environments, like I might be in a live environment where I've got millions of people watching simultaneously that I now need to adapt to the fact that when you do that in programmatic, it looks iffy to everyone on the other side, and it throws off everybody's pacing algorithms, and it throws off everybody's sort of alarm bells. Plus, that's my most important inventory, and I don't want to like lose it just because somebody made a mistake, so I need to make sure that I fill it as much as I can at the, at the right time. And I want to do all of this by solving this sort of optimization problem of make the most money, no creative collisions, deliver great user experience,
0: make sure everybody's tech works along the way. That sounds complicated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, in, I mean, that's, in the live stream you ask what we do. We solve that complication. <laughs> in the live stream example, generally is your ad server and all the upstream demand getting sent to a server side stitcher. Yeah, it's almost always there's a stitcher in the middle, not 100% yeah. of the time,
1: some people will still run, you know, the ad sort of without stream stitching, but increasingly it's being run with a service-side stitcher,
0: and and is that a service that Freewheel offers, or is it a partnership? We almost all of our stream stitching, if not all of it, now is through partners. Right, got it. Let's talk about programmatic and uh, exchanges. So, video exchanges have been around for a while. You acquired a company called Sticky Ads, based in Paris, a couple of years back. I think there's still a lot of confusion about how Freewheel inventory is available or not available in the programmatic world. Maybe you could take us through that. Yep. So we acquired a company called Sticky Ads, and we have used Sticky Ads as sort of a
1: standalone SSP solution in market since the acquiring it. But if we think about Freewheel more broadly, the value of Sticky Ads was that it allowed us to supercharge programmatic tech within the platform. Mm -hmm. And so right now, when you think about MRM or our TV platform, the programmatic tech is built directly into it so that we're running a unified decision whether it's programmatic or direct sold, across everything. And so there's not like a separate SSP and server. It's one thing. We think about demand coming in, whether it's coming in through a direct IO that you've booked within our system or through a reseller who's on our platform or off of our platform or through a direct integration through our programmatic pipes, sort of they're all demand and we evaluate them all. And so within programmatic, the bulk of programmatic within premium television is still run through programmatic guarantee. Right. And those are direct connections for the most part into DSPs that are running those PG deals. A lot of it is run through private marketplaces that are set up by the publishers or with the agencies and will they curate those deals. And then a set of exchanges are, are, are sort of near the bottom where we have our you know, bundle deals or our exchange deals that we will set up. We have other there are other partners that are connecting into our platform that are setting up exchanges as well. I think our exchange product has some unique things that make it really valuable, especially some unique data offerings. And it's also because it's embedded into the ad server. You know, we don't have any of the latency concerns and the, the timeout concerns that come up as you just add hops in there. So we continue to run that exchange directly built into the ad server. All of the inventory within our exchange in these sort of curated packages works across both where we're the primary ad server and where we're not.
0: Right, right. So I think it is a little confusing. And I, having been on the DSP side, I was definitely confused about this. But tell me tell me if I'm wrong about this. If, if you log into your DSP, whichever one, and you pick Freewheel as an exchange, you're accessing through that some mixture of standalone publishers who are only parts of the exchange, which maybe in the past were sticky ads, as well as you know, premium publishers on the ad server, the TV platform, and as a corollary, probably to get access to any premium advertiser on the television platform, you're probably going to be required to buy it through PMPs or programmatic guaranteed.
1: Let me break that into two parts. So okay. The
0: first part of,
1: you know, we have one endpoint to access free will supply, regardless of the technology that we're using on the other end. That right? makes sense, yeah. We think that makes it simpler in the marketplace and we sort of want to keep that the case, right? We don't want people to have to wonder which free will that they're working with. Yeah, and that's our goal. In terms of what supply is available within what packages, that's somewhat determined by you know the publishers and where they make supply available. But one of the things that we've launched this year as we've sort of brought the platforms closer together is the ability to do a little bit more, granular, but a little bit more curated supply, from freewheel customers in beeswax directly Mm -hmm. we're calling it sort of like a deal desk so being able to do that within that exchange right you as a buyer on the dsp side can sort of pick what inventory that you're choosing to buy and i think that's the right way to do it versus trying to just assume that with this exchange i'm only getting this inventory or that i think one of the things that we've realized in the market is there's a lot less differentiation between exchanges in terms of exclusive inventory Mm -hmm. than there was a while back
0: Yeah, I I think that that seems pretty accurate. And in terms of the minor kerfuffle earlier this year about Freewheel having duplicate auctions and stuff like that, do you want to explain what was going on there? Yeah, we had a minor kerfuffle.
1: Uh, We're (laughs) going to do some broader conversations around this, so I don't want to get ahead of it, but I'm happy to address it. I think the kerfuffle was very much a misunderstanding and what we've built is pretty cool. So the insight that we had is a couple of things. One of them is, you know, I mentioned that problem of, look, if I have 60 seconds of ads, is that 230s or 415s or some combination of them? And then the other thing that we noticed is if we tell a DSP, this is a 30-second opportunity or that's sort of the maximum creative length that we're willing to take here, they're going to return with a 30-second opportunity because they're doing a calculation that says, how much time can I get for the minimum spend? But actually there probably are 15 second creatives in there that somebody would run if given the opportunity and it's just not being returned so we built a machine learning model that will vary the creative lengths that we send in the bid requests and in doing so somewhat vary the number of bid requests in order to get alternative creative durations back and that could be 15s but it could also be 60s for pharma ads which we might want to use to fill in some places too So varying the creative duration, varying the bid request somewhat in order to do that, and training this model to understand when do we need to make those changes in there. So we're not flooding the bid stream. That's something that people do in the market. I I think it's sort of not great for the planet and not great for the ecosystem. No, This is more about tweaking things to make sure that we're getting the best
0: demand back for our publisher partners out of the ecosystem as it exists today. Got it. Cool. So glad you addressed that. Stepping back if you look at the whole market, I think it would be helpful a little bit to characterize like where free will is vis-a-vis other ad serving options, other types of customers because a lot of people come to me and ask questions like, you know, why do people use free will? I mean, why isn't DoubleClick click just dumb, I'm sorry, gam just dominant here. So it seems like Free Wheels has sort of this, I don't want to say a lock, but is really popular among traditional broadcasters and networks. And then companies that are, call them internet-centric, that are only have websites and apps, tend to use either GAM or another solution for their ad serving. You want to tell me if I'm right or wrong or add color to that characterization?
1: Yeah, I can speak to us versus GAM and maybe a Little bit about some of those other people and why they might not use free will and maybe should maybe great yeah. you know, right for us. But I agree. We're we're probably, if you were to look around the world, the preferred choice for large broadcasters or media companies with video content, I think for the large broadcaster market, Gam is probably number two or number you know, the other player in this space, certainly. Right. The other big one. You know, there's a couple of reasons. One, like it's enterprise grade tech. We've got an enormous solutions and support team that has been built to service these customers the way that they want to be serviced and resolve some of this complexity with extremely high responsiveness. It's been tested against huge volumes and live events that we've done over the number of years. I think if you were to look at our business versus Google, we've evolved somewhat differently, right? GAM is sort of a part of a broader portfolio and it has been you know sort of the number one ad server But primarily in that display business, and we were just very intensely focused on the needs of these large broadcasters and delivering value for them in terms of what they needed. Um, And making sure we were doing things that worked for their businesses and being really focused on the needs of their business. And that's allowed us to carve something out. Now, because of that, we've built a ton of functionality in there over the course of the past decade that it's just really ahead of the game. So I don't see press releases out there where people will talk about the ability to target content a certain way or the ability to pace things a certain way. And there are things that we've solved a long time ago or the ability to manage large scale live events. And they're things that we've done a long time ago. And so the accumulation of all those features makes for an offering that's really powerful for someone who runs that type of business like a large publisher. Right. For some of the smaller internet only ones, You know, some of the things that are happening, one is that video content, long form video especially, is really expensive to produce and market. And so because of that, they tend it tends to be concentrated in these larger companies. And we're seeing some of that change, but then the smaller businesses tend to be distributing on YouTube and sort of other platforms that help them get reach. There's not as many of them in the middle there. Yeah. And so, and you know, they tend to be sort of smaller companies. Then we have conversations, with, and we do have some that are primarily sort of video-centric on our platform, but they tend to be people that have premium, long-form content
0: that they're trying to market and produce and distribute. Yeah, well, one day we'll have ads on the Marketing texture TV website, but not now.
1: But I look forward to having that conversation <laughs> with you about how Freewheel is the best, best option for it. We can yeah. drop some pods in here.
0: Yeah, we do advertising on our podcast, and that's the simplest thing in the world because we don't serve it; we just shove them in. So uh, let's do a lightning round. So uh, relatively quick answers to relatively quick questions. So what's your biggest product or market challenge? The biggest product and
1: market challenge we have right now is the level of complexity all these different partners Mm -hmm. that we're working with. And often people who are working on different ends of the same problem. And we want to do something that solves a problem for our customers. They want to do something that solves a problem for their customers, getting everybody to sort of meet in the middle and make it work because we are um, an important player for our customers. We're not the only one. And there's this whole, everyone uses the word ecosystem around it. And what they mean by ecosystem is a bunch of organisms that are all, you know, alternatively collaborating and competing with each other.
0: Yeah. And what's related to that? What is your one most important competitive advantage?
1: We're really privileged to work with the customers that we do. And we're really privileged that we've spent years and years and years building functionality to support their businesses that I think would take a lot to replicate at scale. And so, you know, just the level of features that we have built into the platform over time have
0: put us really far out ahead, I think. Cool. Why won't someone like Google eventually catch up? Or You know, the question we ask every guest is, why won't the walled gardens crush you? But in this case, I'll specifically ask, like, Why isn't GAM eventually going to be able to build every feature that's in your system?
1: You know, so two things that are, I think, really important there. GAM, I think, has built a lot of functionality and has a powerful engineering team. But this is something that we wake up every day focused on and something that is sort of like an interesting possible segment for GAM. And and don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong, like GAM still has a lot of customers in this segment. So I think there are people who work at Google that are thinking, you know, how do I wake up every day and crush Freewheel? And in parts of that organization, we're waking up every day thinking how we can super serve this segment. The other thing is that, you know, just strategically, how Google has historically worked with publishers versus how Google has its own businesses changes the way that I think some publishers want to work with Google. And I think that that is something where we've shown the way that we have you know, even after being acquired by Comcast, continued to work on behalf of our publishers and develop on behalf of our publishers. So if they wanted to throw engineers at the problem, I think that they've got really, really, really smart people there that could do it. And I am I still wake up afraid that, you know, of Google, they're like a fierce competitor and they're probably our biggest one. Um, and we've been really lucky to be able to put some distance
0: there. They've come a long way since I first launched Dart Video back in... 2008 or whatever it was uh okay last question uh if free will was an animal what animal would it be oh man this is a really hard one all right
1: i'm gonna say an elephant and elephants are my favorite animal okay elephants are really smart elephants are really good leaders they if you look at the way elephants behave in different environments they tend to influence the ecosystem around them for positive because they've got enough heft in there. They can protect some of the animals. They can keep some of the animals from going crazy. And elephants are really strong and they are much stronger and much more nimble than most people give them credit for.
0: And so I'm gonna go with that. All right, you heard it here first. David Warren, CPO of Free Will. thank you so much for being here. Awesome, thanks so much for having me, Eric.
1: Thank you for subscribing to Markitecture. New interviews are added every week at Markitecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.